0: Praise God. We are going to still do your uh, praise reports here at the end, so make sure you write them down and get them on in. We're doing them on uh, written fashion instead of uh, vocal. We get more that way, and we're able to uh, cover them all in that. So just uh, write them on down. We're going to read them off here at the end, see what God has been doing this week for you. Over. We're going to be over in the book of Genesis, but not yet. So you don't have to turn there just yet. We're going to be, uh, be looking at some other things as we learn how to sow. I'm sure you've heard this from many Christians in in America. People in general, of course, as well. But they say, I have nothing to sow. Here are some interesting facts. The first modern-day lottery was started in 1963. That was two years after I was born. In the state of New Hampshire. The state of Massachusetts started their lottery in 1972 with a 50-cent ticket and a drawing once a week. It now has 33 different games to choose from and their sales have soared from 71 million in the first year to 3 billion today that's just the state of massachusetts in colorado the lottery organizers spend more than 400 million dollars each year trying to lure residents to gamble on lotteries that's one state colorado 400 million they spend just to get people to buy lottery tickets They also conducted a, or people conducted a $25,000 study called MindSort. They analyzed the left and right side of the brain to understand how to manipulate players' behavior in order to get them to be hooked on gambling. Once hooked, they were always hooked. A Massachusetts lottery ad offered two choices for how to make millions. Here is a quote from the ad. Plan A. Start studying when you're about seven years old real hard. Then grow up and get a good job. From then on, get up at dawn every day, flatter your boss, crush competition ruthlessly, climb over the backs of coworkers, be the last one to leave every night, squirrel away every cent, avoid having a nervous breakdown, avoid having premature heart attack, get a facelift, do this every day for 30 years, holidays and weekends included. By the time you're ready to retire, you should have your money. Or, plan B, play in the lottery. We know that the sales for lottery tickets all over the country has uh, certainly gone up. We now have national lotteries as well as the different states. And they, they receive billions of dollars each year. We have money that we can sell. We have things that we can do. And as we were talking about before, not all sewing is money. If you think that the only thing you can sow is money, you're limiting yourself. There are other things to do besides sowing money. But we need to get into the sowing part. All across America, how many know when we get that Powerball or whatever, what's the big one? Is that the big one, the the Powerball one? When it gets up there, you know, it's all over the news. Um, Everybody's, you know, at at work, you got, uh, and if you play, I'm not telling you not to to, to do that or that you're, you know, going to go to hell if you do. It's... It's just that we sometimes have more faith in the lottery than we do in sowing and reaping. If you play the lottery, say that you play one of the Pennsylvania State games, how many people win? Usually one. Now, sometimes a couple of people get the same number, or sometimes you see it split in, the, in a few days. But it's a handful of people who win. If you sow and reap, how many? Or if you sow, how many people reap? Everybody. And that the word, of, if you, the word of God tells us that if you sow, you will reap. So why not put our efforts into what God says will yield something certainly for you instead of what might? Why wouldn't we do that? The reason we don't is because we have st- some, not saying you, just, you know, other people, have more faith in something like a lottery than we do with with sowing and reaping i've heard that your chances of being struck by lightning are greater than they are to win the lottery for some people that's a real fear though being struck by lightning hmm well um i don't know what all the stats are but i know that it's a pretty low number that you're going to win the lottery but god says that if you sow you will reap we want to learn some things about how to sow and then we're going to take a look at a guy who sowed in a bad economy. In review, we honor God by bringing the tithes into the storehouses. We honor God by bringing the tithes into the storehouse. We went over the storehouse. We went over the tithes. We went over how we honor God with those things. And just if you just tithe, there is an increase for you to be had. If you do not ever sow, you just tithe. There is an increase for you to have. Don't feel like you're out of the game. And don't feel like you're paying God off. You're not paying God off. He is not a mobster. You're not buying protection. He just says, here's here's um, here's your finances. Now, if you will honor me by bringing what I'm calling mine, the, the first tenth, if you honor me by bringing that, I'm going to make the other 90% go further. And he gives us many examples in Scripture where a small brigade going up against a large army won. Constantly. And God says, I can deliver by many or by few. God can deliver us. God can set us free. God can help us. He can make that 90% work better than the 100% would. Amen. He can do it. Amen. But you've got to open it up. Now, it does not mean that if you tithe, you turn off that channel from the enemy. The enemy is still going to try to come against you. He's going to try and come against your job. He's going to try and come against your stuff. He's going to try and get things to break down and so forth. That's all right. God says, I'll take care of it. Amen. <laughs> you let God take care of it. Amen. You turn it over to God. Father God, I'm a tither. Because I'm a tither, you said you do this. And you go back to the Word of God and, and look at those things. But we want to talk about sowing as well. We're going to talk about sowing money. We're going to talk about sowing other things. You don't just have to sow money. There's other things you can sow. But if you sow it, you ought to understand what the rules that govern sowing. And we really don't have to look to anything different than what God has done in the, in the natural. Now, I wanted to expand something. My wife and I were talking about this and needed to clarify this after, afterwards. We sow what is our own. We don't sow the tithe. You cannot sow until the tithe is out of your house. You got to get the tithe out of your house. And once you do that, then what is left is yours. It's not God's. These people want to be super spiritual and say, well, all my money is God's. No, it's not. It is not. God gave it to you. If he didn't give it to you, you couldn't sell it. He gave it to you. It's yours. I, I take ownership of it. It's my money. God, I'm sowing my money. <laughs> this is mine. I'm sowing it. We sow from what is our own into, first off, God's ministry, secondly, God's ministers, and third, where God commands. If God tells you to, to sow something, if God tells you to do something, and that's a good commandment from God, and God honors it. If He does that, you are sowing. There are other things called the giving of alms in which we give money to those that are uh, in a worse state than we are or just helping somebody. There's the giving of alms, and there's a different blessing on that, but thank God there's a blessing on it as well. But we've got to understand all these these things. So Matthew 13, factors, some of the factors in sowing. First factor in sowing. The first factor in sowing is found in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The first factor in sowing is you must sow good seed. It's got to be good seed. If you don't sow good seed, it's not going to be beneficial. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had, had sprouted and produced the crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to them, Do you want us then to gather them up? He said, No, lest you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first Gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, there's a lot more we can pull from this. We're just looking at this one part. That is, when you sow, you must sow good seed. You cannot sow junk. You've got to sow good seed. Good seed costs you money. It co- it, you can buy junk seed all over the place, but if you want good seed, you've got to spend a little bit more money on it. Because good seed produces a good crop. If you're going to put grass on your lawn, you want to get good grass seed. Because there's all kinds of grasses that you can get to grow, but not all of them are desirable. Anybody know what tall fescue is? Have you ever seen the stuff that has a really wide blade out on your lawn and it just kind of makes this big mound of stuff? That's tall fescue. That's not good seed. You don't want tall fescue in your yard. Once you get it in there, you know how you get rid of it? Kill it all. <laughs> Only way to get rid of it, kill everything. If you've got tall fescue in your, la- in your grass and you don't want it, you've got to kill everything all around it. Maybe you don't have to kill the whole lawn, but if you've got, you got a big galop of it, you've got to get the roundup. Nothing else is going to do. Get the roundup, spread it all the way, and kill everything there, and then reseed that whole area. That's how you're going to get rid of it. It's a nasty stuff. Now, if you buy junk grass seed, it's going to have some of this bad seed in it. It's a grass, but it's not a grass that you want. There's a lot of different types of of, uh, grass out there. There's a grass called zoysia. Anybody ever heard of zoysia grass? Zoysia is a very aggressive grass. Zoysia is so aggressive, it will kill weeds. It's a nice grass in that it doesn't have to be mowed as much. It's a nice grass in that it doesn't take a whole lot of maintenance on your part. But there have been lawsuits over zoysia. (laughs) Because some people have planted the zoysia grass seed in their grass and their neighbors had nice sod moved in. And the zoysia would move right on over and take over the neighbor's nice sod and they would get the zoysia instead of the nice sod that they paid money for. And lawsuits have come out on that. This grass is extremely aggressive. Now, the problem with the grass is that if it gets uh, hot, it's brown. It's not light green. It is brown. You've got a brown lawn. So it's not great for places to get hot because it doesn't like being hot. When it goes dormant in the winter, it doesn't look quite as nice. But, you know, if it's the conditions are nice, it's good-looking grass. You sell it on TV a lot of times. Be careful. You get the wrong kind of grass to put it in there. It may seem like it's a good idea, but first off, you've got to get good seed. You've got to find good seed, get good seed. There's all kinds of grass seed. There's ryegrass seed. There's uh, Kentucky bluegrass seed, which a lot, a lot of folks uh, know about. There's uh, all types of seed out there. Some of it's good. There's some fescues. Some fescues are desirable. Some fescues are not uh, so desirable. But uh, that's more than you ever wanted to know about grass, I know. <laughs> I know more than that about grass, but I'm not going to tell you any more about it. I have studied the, uh, the topic in years past. But see, there's good seed and there's bad seed. Now, for you, good seed is something that is valuable. If you are going to sow something, it must have value to you. Abraham was to sow what? His son, his only son. Why? He valued it. It was something that was of value. He didn't say, go get the one you don't like. (laughs) Go get the extra one. Sacrifice him. Oh, yeah, I don't like him anyway. (laughs) He didn't say that. He said, no, get the one. Get the son of promise. Get that one you were waiting 25 years for. That one. Bring him up. We're going to sacrifice him. But I got this other one over here. I'm telling you to get that one. This is the one we want you to get. If God wants you to give away something, he's going to ask you to give away something that you like. Don't substitute it with something that you don't like. Because then you're giving away junk. When he said bring the lamb, which one did he say to bring? Uh, No spot, no wrinkle. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. That's a good one. Bring that one. God does not like junk. Mm -hmm. And God doesn't want you to sow junk. And if you sow junk, what are you going to reap? Junk. Junk. Junk? Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, what is junk to you may be valuable to someone else. Don't Don't judge someone else's seed. If somebody else has sown something and it was of value to them, don't judge it as being not valuable or that they are not doing God a good service. Because what you do not hold as valuable, they may hold as valuable. And they may have sacrificed and given something up great. When the widow gave those two mites, for her they were valuable. For the most of the rich people in the place, they were <laughs> it's nothing. That's small-time stuff. But Jesus was impressed with it. It's what is valuable. First off, first rule when you are going to sow is sow something good. Sow good seed. Don't sow junk. If God asks you to give up a suit, don't go looking at the ones that you don't wear anymore. (laughs) God says to go over there and give away a, a dress or some piece of clothing that you got. Don't go looking for the ones that you don't like. They're out of style. Get something that is valuable to you. Because if it's not valuable to you, you're not sowing good seed. So in this parable, the guy sows good seed. He knows it's good seed. When he sees the terrace come out, that's, that's, I didn't plant that. Because the stuff I bought, it don't have that stuff in it. This is what I sowed. So good seed would be word that is true and understood. Do not sow good. The word of God into other people that you first do not understand. you got to spend time with it. you got to get the understanding of that word down. you got to know it. Because if you're going to sow it into someone else, you need to have an understanding of it. Sow good stuff. Get an understanding of it. Sow stuff that's true. you got to be diligent to make sure that the word you are sowing into other people is true which means you need to study it out. Don't just hear something and go st- going around and start sharing it. You might be sharing junk seed. You don't need to do that. Get out there, study it out. Make sure the thing is true. Walk it out some. Good seed would be word. If you're sowing the word of God, because you can sow the word of God. If you're going to sow the word, it's got to be word that is true, word that is understood. If it's things, it needs to be things that are good and desirable at least desirable by you. Put this in here, too. You cannot sow what you do not treasure to reap what you cannot measure. You cannot sow what you do not treasure to reap what you cannot measure. I don't know if I heard that in years past or what it was. That just sort of came up on me this morning. If it came from someplace else, that's fine, but I don't know. sounded good. (laughs) You cannot sow what you do not treasure to reap what you cannot measure. First thing, got to be good seed. Here's the second one. You got to sow in good soil. In the parable of the, so, the sower, we have four soils that are depicted. One is called good. The other ones are classified as bad for different reasons, but they're not good soil. Good soil is, According to the parable of the sower, good soil is that which produces more seed. This is important to note. Good soil in the parable of the sower is the seed or the soil that accepted the seed and produced more seed. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. I want you to notice what not is not in the parable to depict good soil. It is not measured in the use of the harvest. There is no mention when it is describing the good soil and bad soil what the harvest was used for. All that it talked about was did the soil produce more seed? We're not told if the person took the seed, the, the spoil, the, sorry, the harvest and stored it all in a barn. We're not told if he took it all out there and made some, some uh, stuff that wasn't so good or made some stuff. It, it, it wasn't part of the parable, it wasn't part of the factors involved. Too often, though, we judge good soil by what the harvest is used for or we perceive it is used for. And that's why we're not finding good soil. Good soil is measured by the seed it produces. If you put seed into it, more seed comes out. This concept is in more places in Scripture. We're going to look at this. Now, let me ask you this question. Put this in your outline for you. Was, Jeremiah, was Jeremiah's ministry good soil? Was it good soil? Was it a good place to sow? How many converts did Jeremiah get? Zero. How many people listened to his message? They beat him up for it. He got so tired of being beaten up for it, thrown in prison, forgiving the message that God gave him, that for a while he said, I I stopped. But he said the pain of keeping it in was greater than the pain of putting it out. So he went back to preaching it. And he preached and he preached and no one would listen. Now, if you are God, would you keep sowing seed into Jeremiah. No one's listening. (laughs) You see, God considered him good soil because God kept giving him word, didn't he? Here, Jeremiah, here's another word for you. Here's another word for you. Here's another word for you. Here's another word. Give that one out. Oh, yeah. Here's another word. Why does God keep giving Jeremiah uh, 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 seed when no one is coming out of the seed he is putting out? Why does does he do that? Doesn't Doesn't God measure good soil? Because God sees, Jeremiah, you are doing exactly what I wanted you to do with the seed. It's up to them what they do with what they hear, but it's up to you to do something with what I give you. And so Jeremiah received the word and gave it out. He received the word and gave it out. Was Moses good soil? Not in the beginning. God sowed into him, didn't he? When he was in Egypt, didn't God sow into him? Moses, I'm calling you into the ministry. Moses, I'm calling you to be the deliverer. He's sowing word into him. And what's Moses doing with it? He's going out in the flesh and trying to fulfill it. And then he's ignoring it. For 40 years, he ignored it. And then God comes to him again with the flaming fire of the the bush. Why? Because he's not listening to anything else. Is Moses good soil? Not so far, but God still went out there and did it again until, until eventually Moses became good soil. Now, he kept sowing into Moses. Was he reaping a reward from the children of Israel? No. Children of Israel would hear the words of Moses. They would hear the word of God coming from Moses, and what did they do with it? Nothing. Nothing at all. So what, is most, what does God do with Moses. He keeps giving it to them, doesn't he? He keeps giving them more. Elijah. Elijah had a little bit more uh, effect than Jeremiah did, but not much. You know, sometimes the nation would turn for a year or two, and then they go back to their old, old ways of, of doing things. Did God continue to sow into Elijah? Yeah. He kept sowing into him. How about Paul? Paul would go into the city, preach the gospel... And come out beaten and move on to the next city. And what's God do? Paul, I got another word for you. Paul, I got another thing for you to understand here. Here's, Here's something else, Paul. Most of the time that Paul went into the city, when he left, the church was very small. Few exceptions. Ephesus was one. But there are a few exceptions. Most of the time when he left the city, the church was small. But he got it started. He was tough. He would plow through some really hard field and he would get something going. He would sow that into people and then he would leave and go on to another one and they would, they would uh, drum up the work. They would get it going. Not always. There were some places that did respond. But a lot of times they, they did not. But, they, but God still saw this is good. So the, the, the key thing is When God sowed word into these people, what did they do with the word? When God sowed revelation into Paul, what does Paul do with the revelation? He studies it. He examines it. When when God put a revelation into Peter, what does Peter do with the revelation? He pondered it. He saw an application for it and he stepped out into that. When John received word from God. He pondered it. He meditated on it. He ministered it out to other people. And we saw fruit from it. A lot of fruit from John's ministry. But not all the time did you see people respond to the folks that were giving this out. Put in your outline, Bad soil is soil that causes the seed sown to become unproductive. All right, I want you to take a look at this. Matthew 18. We have looked at this story for other aspects. We're going to look at this right now for the principles of sowing. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. This is an insurmountable debt. The fact that he would bring up this amount is more money than most people in this, this day and age would ever see in their life. And yet this king, this, uh, this, this, um, this guy who, who had given the debt, not only had that money to lend, but more. And he lent it to this guy who had this unbelievable amount of money. Again, most people in this day and age would not see this much money in their lifetime. And he doesn't have any of it. Because if he had some of it, you'd say, Look, I'll bring you half now. He didn't have any of it. He's either lost it all, something has happened. But he was not able to pay his master. As he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and that all that he had in payment be made. Now, I'm sure he's not that valuable of a person. If you sell him, you're not getting a whole lot. (laughs) The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Exactly the same thing he said. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison that he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. They realized this was not good. And came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him into the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I want you to get to what this is. The man who, who possessed, the, uh, who had given the money and the man who was in debt, the man who had given him the money saw his, his begging and said, I'm going to forgive you the debt. What did he do? He sowed into the man, didn't he? That's, isn't that not, is that not sowing? He sowed into the man. The, and he was content at that point just to sow into the man. But then he heard that the man went out and in the same situation, smaller debt would not do the same thing. What he saw was the soil was unproductive. And he expected, look, I just forgave you that huge debt and you couldn't forgive this guy? And he ends it with this. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. Now we've talked about what that forgiveness is. Forgiveness is different from trust. You walk in an attitude that you are not bitter against Anyone, And if anyone comes to you, no matter how great a thing they have done against you, if they come to you and say, I realize I have done wrong, please forgive me, you are required by the Word of God to forgive that person from your heart, not just with your mouth. But if they do not come to you and say, forgive me, what are you required to do? Nothing. God does not forgive people unless they... Ask, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If God expects us to admit our sins, to receive forgiveness, why would he expect us to forgive those who have not asked? It's a simple concept. God demonstrates what he wants us to do. He loves the way he wants us to love. He forgives the way he wants us to forgive. You are to have an attitude not a bitter one, you are an attitude that says, I'm ready to forgive anybody who asked me, no matter what they did. But until they ask you, you are not required to forgive them in the sense that they are restored and trust is returned. How do we get trust with God? Does he just trust us? How do we get trust with God? It's earned he says, I'm going to see how you do the little things. As you do the little things, I, can, I know I can hand you, hand you the bigger things. I can trust you with it, right? If, God, if that's how God does, why are we any different? Trust is earned. It's not bestowed. If you bestow trust on somebody arbitrarily, not based on the things of the Word of God, no wonder you've been burned before, and you'll be burned again. When the enemy keeps people in bondage in this area. Because he says, you haven't forgiven them because you don't trust them. That's hogwash. How many people you think are in this world that God does not trust? A whole lot. Because they have proved themselves. You're not trustworthy. I can't trust you. I may love you, but I don't mean I trust you. How many of you all know you can love somebody and not trust them? <laughs> How many of you love your dog at home but would not trust that dog if you're not home? You lock it up somewhere. Because you know, I love that dog, (laughs) but if we come, if we leave that dog in the house, our sofa is going to be chewed up. You love the dog, but you don't trust the dog. It's the same thing. God loves us, but trust is earned. We earn that trust. If you get that dog at home, and maybe you want it to have the roam of the house, you give it a little. You let it roam in the kitchen first. Oh, it did okay in there. All right, then we let it roam a little bit more. And then we let it roam. Oh, well, you know what? We're okay. He's, he's doing okay with the, with the house. We can just uh, let him out before we go. He'll watch over the house and do a good job. He have some trust. You build some trust there. God does the same thing. What's the, what's the first thing God trusts us with? Money. Let's see how you handle money. I'm going to trust you with the stuff I consider the least valuable. That's money. See how you do with money. See, people, I consider it as valuable. So I'm going to see how you do, handle money first. Word of God says, I'm going to trust you with unrighteous mammon before I trust you with the things of real value. That's what God does. So that's just that we've, we've taught on those things before, but since we're over that passage of Scripture, just want to make sure that no one comes out of here thinking, oh, I got unforgiveness towards someone because I haven't restored them to a place of trust yet. No, yeah, they, they, have they asked you? I learned that lesson I told you before. I learned that lesson the hard way. Don't learn it the hard way. Learn it the easy way. I forgave people and restored trust in them that never asked. And guess who got burned? I did. Guess who was stupid? I was. I'm not going to be stupid again. I don't want anybody else to be stupid either. Don't do it. God doesn't do it. You shouldn't do it. Follow God's pattern. He's the best one. And God does not ask you to do something He does not do. That's the kind of God we serve. Good soil is going to be soil that when you put something into it, something comes out. It doesn't eat all the seed. I put it this way. Good soil and ministry, and I just, I just wrote down a few things. I didn't have room to write them all down in yours. If you want to write them down, if they're important to you, you can squeeze them in there. But good soil and ministry is, first off, teaching the Word. Teaching the Word. God should be sowing into that, that uh, preacher, ministry, Word, and Word should come out. Uh, it should be exposing darkness. It should be standing for the, uh, God's principles, not man's religion. And it should be making disciples. That's just a, I'm not saying that's all. I'm just giving you a couple of things. You can meditate on it and go through the Word of God and find out some more things if you want to. But that's what good ministry is. Good soil and people is giving what has been given to them. If you sow money into a person and that person is stingy and won't give anything to anyone else... If you sowed $100 of them and they won't give a quarter, what do you think? Is it good soil? No, whatever you put in there, they're eating up. They got to realize if I'm going to increase, I've got to sow. So if you're going to put money into them, they need to be sowing. I'm not saying sowing back into you. Just sow it. Just get your go, going out there and you ought to hear about it given to other people. In the story of the parable of forgiveness, it was not the man who started the forgiveness. It was not him who did not receive forgiveness. It was someone else. He pulled it because I gave into you and you wouldn't give into someone else. Increase what was given to them. They will increase what was given to them. If you sow something into it, they will increase it. Jesus gave the parable and to one guy he gave five to one, another one he gave two to another one he gave one. What did the guy do with had to five? He got ten. He increased it. He was uh, praised. What did the one guy do who had two? He, he increased it. He got two more. What did the one guy do who had one? Nothing. So, based on that parable, which one of those three was good soil? First two. Which one was bad soil? The last one. Because they did not increase what they received. Good soil will increase whatever is put into it. If you speak word into that one, they will you'll come back and say, I've been meditating on that, I was thinking on that, and God was showing me this, and God was showing me this, and I put it to work, they're increasing it. That's good soil. Bad soil... You sowed the word into them, and tomorrow, I don't remember what they said to me. I thought it was important. I don't remember what they said. I just, I'll ask them again. Mm-mm. That's not good soil. Good soil. We told you before. If you want to get revelation from God, when God speaks it to you, what should you do? <laughs> Write it down. Write it. I don't. Do not trust your memory. Do not trust anything. Write, Write it, it down. down. Find something to write it down with. I've told you my, my story. I have multiple ways to write something down. I do not just rely on one way. I have multiple ways. I can use my phone. I can use a book I carry with me all the time. I can use my iPad. I can use uh, uh, my computer. I, no matter where I am, I have access to something. And I will write it down. I will make sure I write it down. Uh, yesterday, I was out running. And midway through the run, got a revelation on something. I had nothing to write it down. Nothing. So you know what I did? I meditated on it the whole way home. <laughs> I didn't think of nothing else. I just meditated on that the whole way home. until so I make sure I got on home and got to write it down. There's still more I got to do to meditate on it to get the handle on it. But glory to God. I enjoy getting the, the revelation. But um, I had nothing to, uh, to write it down with at that point. I have, to, I have to work on fixing that one. I like getting revelation. But if you, if you want to do that, d- increase it. Get that revelation. I'm going to meditate on this. I'm going, to, I'm going to get more revelation out of this. And then when you find someone and you, oh, they're, they're going through this, I can share what revelation I have. And if you share revelation with others, what are you doing? If someone sees the revelation. What am I going to reap? More revelation. If I need to have Wisdom in something, what should I sow? The wisdom that I've got. If I need an understanding on a thing, what should I sow? The understanding that I have. I've got to find somebody to sow this into. i got some understanding. I need more understanding, but I've got to sow what I have. Sow it. Good soil on people. Increase from what was given to them. And they do not hoard. They do not hoard. Take a little from here, a little bit from here, a little bit from here, a little bit from here, and collect it all and just hoard it all together. Not giving out any. Because they're in fear. I may not have anything down the road. No, that's not that's not good soil. That's not good stuff. I'm not saying give it back to me. I'm saying go out there and give it. The Word of God says that when you invite somebody over for dinner, invite people over who cannot invite you back. That's what you should do. Another uh, thing with uh, people, good soil are... Is people who, don't, who do not use it all up. Don't take all the seed that was there and use it all up. They know how to, all right, I need some of this, but I need to put some of it out. I need to, to sow. There's an attitude that is there. Bad soil has an attitude. Good soil has an attitude. Bad soil has an attitude that everybody should give to me. I'm in need. You ought to just give to me. That's bad. That's bad attitude. No, you need to be given to somebody. You need to be given to somebody. Everybody needs to be given. Here's another one. For what you need or want, uh, another, another whole other uh, principle here. So, for what you need or want to receive, so with a purpose. If you're in the natural, if you want to, rec- if you want to reap corn, what should you sow? Corn. If you want to reap beans, what should you sow? Beans. I mean it's simple. It's it's a concept we call, totally understand the natural. If you go out there and sow beans, but I wanted corn. What'd you sow? Beans. What'd you get? Beans. How's that surprise you? In the natural. Whatever you want to receive, you sow. If you need revelation, don't sow money. What do you need to sow? i got to sell what revelation I've got so that I can get more. That's what i got to do. Money is not going to get that for you. i gotta, I got to target it. What do I need to receive? And once you open yourself up to this, then you understand, well, you know what? I can have a bean crop over here. I can have a corn crop over here. I can have a soy crop over here. I can have strawberries over here and tomatoes over here and peppers over here. I, and then when it comes harvest time, I can yield from all these different things sow for what you need or want to receive or as instructed. God sometimes just will come to you and say, I want you to sow this into this person. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. If God does it, if God says, sow this into this person over here, just do it. You don't know why? You don't have to figure out why. If God said it, he is the Lord of the harvest. If God said it, you need to do it because whatever it is, going to bring you need it yes sir i'll do that yes sir i'll do that i've started this story with you i love this story though brother higgins when he was um and he wasn't doing all that well financially and, and god would tell him you know that 25 dollars you got in your pocket sew it into this person that 50 dollars you got in your pocket sew it into this person and he did that three times different different people and all the money he had in his pocket sew it over here to this one and uh he came into a meeting and before the meeting had started that evening He got a vision of the meeting and he saw six people in wheelchairs over in the left hand side of the stage. Six people. And he saw himself in his vision. He saw himself going up to the people in the wheelchairs, laying hands on them. And he said five of the six got up and walked. Five of the six people in wheelchairs got up and walked. Well, he walked into the meeting that night and he saw right off on the left hand side, six wheelchairs, just like he had seen earlier. And so he did exactly what he saw done in the vision. And he went over and laid hands on them just like he saw. And five of them got up and walked. And the Spirit of God spoke to us to him afterwards. He said, if you had not sown when I told you to hear, and sown when I told you to hear, and sown when I told you to hear, I couldn't have done that through you. I don't know exactly why, but I know the Lord of the harvest said, we got this harvest down the road, and if you do this, this, and this, I'm going to be able to work through you and do this. And he did it. And he listened. Sow as instructed. It's important. If God says, give into this person, do this. And it's not always money. Just follow the instructions. Whatever God says to do, just go ahead and do it. Understand there are two types of sowing. Two types of sowing in the Word of God. First off, there's this kind right here we are just talking about. There's targeted sowing. I am targeting revelation. I am targeting wisdom. I am targeting understanding. I am targeting money. I am targeting... Whatever it is, there's a target for it. I need this, therefore I will sow this so I can reap that harvest. There is targeted sowing. There's also broadcast sowing. There is broadcast sowing. When you broadcast sow, this is when you have the parable of the sower. He's just broadcasting. And that seed is going to... Some of it's going to come upon... Good. Some of us are going to come upon bad. And the source just he's just broadcasting. He's just broadcasting. If you get in a situation like this where you know you're teaching folks, what is it? It's broadcasting. For some of you, you're going to go home and meditate on the word of God. You're going to meditate on the principles of the word of God, and you're going to get more out of it. And for some, you're going to go on home and forget it. It's it's broadcasting. But you see, here's here's what we do. When I get broadcast seeds sown into my life, I can show God what I will do with it. Mm-hmm. And I what I'm what I'm doing is I'm God's taking notice. That is good soil. That's some good soil right there. And and I when I learned this concept, this long time ago. And I was I learned this concept when I was going to, to Ramah. not necessarily at Ramah, but when I was going there, and Ramah, some some of the things they were doing, but I, would, I got a t- hold of tapes. Back then, you know, everything was on tape. There was no CD. There was no MP3s. There was no internet website, stuff like that. Everything was on tape. So we had the tapes, and I would take the tapes on home, and I would listen to the tapes, and I would go over the tapes, and I would hear the tapes. I would hear the tape four, five, six times. Some tapes, I would actually sit down and write down word for word what the guy was saying so I could get it. I'm, I'm not going to be a bad seat on this. I'm going to be a good seed on this. Uh, Brother Keith Moore talks about when he got some tapes. And he said he got some tapes he got real excited about. They listened to him over and over and over and over. And he gave them to friends. And <laughs> you've got to hear this. You've got to hear this teaching. You've got to hear this tape. And they come back to him a week or two later. Did you hear that tape? No, I didn't, didn't get to it yet. No, I'll get to it sooner or later. And his, his friends got left behind. And he started soaring in the things of the word. And God was just doing all sorts of stuff. And he said, how come? And he says, because you honored the word. Because you were good soil. And they didn't. They disregarded it. And he, he was brought back to remembering when he gave them those. Yeah, I remember. They, they had the same opportunity. They just didn't take it. All right. Genesis chapter 26. Here's our example. Is this where you all came to? How many when you, came, you did your study came to Genesis chapter 26? Genesis chapter 26. There was a famine in the land. How many of y'all know what that means? Bad economy. Because their economy is based on whether stuff is growing, whether it's not growing. There was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, in Gerar. So, basically, there was... Everybody say it. There was a famine. Famine Famine in the land. land. If you have a famine, that means stuff does not grow. Right? Mm -hmm. We're not talking about a slowdown. We're talking famine. That means you plant stuff, and what grows? Nothing. 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 Zero. Mm -hmm. Zilch. Then the Lord appeared to him, Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I tell you, dwell in where? This land. What land is that? The one with the famine. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and your descendants I give all these lands. What lands? The ones with famine. (laughs) Thanks, God. Appreciate that. And I will perform the oath. This land was a land of famine here. It was a land of famine when Abraham came to it. It seems like this land is a land of famine a lot. And God says, guess what? I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> the land that was in famine when Abraham came down here, it was so bad he went down to Egypt. That one. And the one that you came to, and what you find it in? Famine. That one. I'm going to give it to you. Appreciate that, God. This is really great. <laughs> land of famine. Where do we leave off at? Verse 3. Dwell in, this, in the, this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of the heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Where? In the land, in the land of Famine. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Now, this is the land of famine in the days of Abraham. It's the land of famine in the days of Isaac. What is it in the days of Moses? The land flowing with milk and honey. <laughs> a little bit of change has happened here, hasn't it? A little bit of a change. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Why? Because the Lord told him. Did he dwell there because it looked good? He dwelt there because the Lord told him. Now, we go over the next couple of verses here. It's going to talk about he does the same thing his dad does with his wife. She's my sister, you know, that whole thing. So we're going to skip all that. And you can read it if you want to. We're going to go on down to verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. What land? The land of famine. And reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. Reaped in the same year. What year was that? The year of famine. Which was after the year of famine famine before because he came to the land it was in famine and he sowed now if you're sowing if the land is in famine and you come in there and you sow what do you think the neighbors are saying look at the new guy (laughs) he doesn't know anything yet we're in famine right now he's going to sow all that seed and it's going to die maybe some of them even came over to him Isaac what are you doing this is, this is famine right now. If you sow now, it's all going to die. So he sowed. How many other people are sowing right now? Nobody. Apparently nobody because it's the land of famine. <laughs> but Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Hundredfold return on what he put in. Why did he put it in? Because God told him. And the Lord blessed him. It doesn't stop there. So God told him to sow there. He did and reaped a hundredfold harvest. Look at 13. The man began to prosper. A hundredfold return. And the word of God says he began to prosper. Apparently he wasn't prospering before. But he's going to prosper now. And in one year, 100-fold return on what he sowed. And the Word of God describes it as he began to prosper. And continued prospering until he became very prosperous. I love that verse. (laughs) The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. God is not interested in you just having enough. We looked at the example last time. When the fish came in the net, did enough fish come in that would fill that net? No, more fish came in that the net could hold. Did God lose count of how many fish that net could hold? Did God lose count? Did God not know how many fish the boat could hold? No, God knew. God gives more than he needs. When the 5,000 men were fed and their wives and their kids, and they took up fragments, they filled up baskets, did God not know how much each one person was going to eat? Maybe God's part Italian. <laughs> it might be. We have that thing going on in our house. You know, I come from a German family. In a German family, you did all right when, when there are no leftovers. When you, I don't know why that is. I have no idea why that is. But, you know, if you make the meal and there's nothing left over at the end, good. Italians aren't that way. I have learned. Italians are not happy unless there is much left over. They want an abundance left over. They want everyone to eat an abundance and they want an abundance left over. not not right? My wife will tell. Her. You know, that's 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 if I if plan the meal and we got everybody, everybody, how many chicken pieces you want? You know, you, two, three, four, or we need twelve. I cook? Twelve. I just cook twelve. <laughs> that's what we need. Uh, that's it. You know, she she'll tell me a lot of times, you know, how many uh, hot dogs you want? Two. How many burgers you want? You know, and I'll tell her, she makes an extra. <laughs> Can, can't you eat this one? No, I said I'd eat two. I don't change my mind. <laughs> if I say I'm going to eat two, I'll eat two. I won't change my mind to eat one, I'll eat two. But I won't eat three. I don't know, we just have fun with that over at the house. That's a, you can tell who made the deal, who made the meal. If there's a whole lot left over. But see, maybe God's just more, more Italian than he is German. <laughs> it might just be what... Because he wants he wants leftover. He wants abundance. <laughs> he's got them more than enough. We Germans, we're, we're, we're just enough. But he's got them more than enough. More than enough. And so he gives more fish than the net can hold. More fish than the boat can hold. They're sinking. That's not good to have a boat sink. The boats are sinking. They need help. There's There's... there's baskets full left over. The poor boy, I think he probably took them home. Poor boy, he just brought the, you know, the loaves and the fish. Only one who brought anything. He's got to take home 12 baskets full. I hope somebody helped him. Mom, you sent me out with this lunch. Look what I brought back. (laughs) That's abundance out there. That's what God does. You got to get your thinking around this. That God took Isaac and be, the man began to prosper. This is a good refrigerator verse. Do you have this up in your refrigerator? We ought to put this up in our refrigerator. <laughs> the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Is that not just an outstanding verse? <laughs> that is really a good one. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Understand this. This is one guy, his family, his stuff, is envied by the nation of the Philistines. That is something. As you get more into the story, you will find out the king of the Philistines envies him. The king of the Philistines. Of the Philistines. Man, that boy, he has got some stuff. Man. I wish I was that rich. How come you guys can't pay enough taxes to make me as rich as he is? Because he came in the land, sowed, he began to prosper, continued prospering, until when? Until he became very Prosperous. So now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they'd filled them with earth. Now I was I pondered this verse for a while. I'm just thinking about that. Why do you fill up a well? That's one reason. I'm thinking. There's no water in it. If the well goes dry, wouldn't you fill it up? If it's dry, it's dried up, there's no water in it. Well, you got the hole in the ground. You got kids. You know, we, you know what we did when we were kids. You'd probably play around the well, fall into the well, get hurt. We don't want anybody falling into a well. It's not doing anything for us. Maybe the water dried up, and so they filled it up with earth. Maybe the water became bad. And so we don't want anybody using this water, so we filled it up with... Why would you fill up a perfectly good well if it was producing perfectly good water? No matter who dug it. I can't come up with any other reason than it either was, became bad water or it be, became no water. Out in Oklahoma, we were out in Tulsa. Brother Hagin used to have a fun time with it. He says, no wonder the Indians lost the war. He said, you go over here to decide you got no water and you go over here and you got broken bow or broken arrow. He says, well, if you got broken arrows and no water. No wonder. They had fun. They were all Indian. The, all the towns out there are named after Indian names. And they, got some, they got some funny ones. So they stopped up all the wells of his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham. It's not easy to dig a well. They don't have a drill. They don't just call the drilling company, come on out and drill me a well. No, you got a shovel. And you got people get in the hole and dig the thing out. And, you know, how many of y'all have dug a, uh, something like six foot down? Oh, that's work, isn't it? But at six foot down, you can still take the dirt and throw it over your shoulder and get it out of the hole. You go down and dig a well, how do you get that dirt out? you got to lower buckets down. you got to be filling the buckets with the dirt, hauling the stuff That's a project. It involves more than one person. It's it servants. <laughs> they had a lot of people over there working on this. And it takes some work to fill it in, too. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us. For you are much mightier than we. Who's we? The Philistines. Isaac, your family is more mighty than we are. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water they had, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Esek, because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well. Isaac, he's just Isaac's personality. He doesn't fight nothing. All right, you want that well? We just dug it, and we just got it working, and you want All right, we'll go over here and find another one. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours, so he called the name well, Essek, because they quarreled with him, and they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called that name Sitna, and he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. Well, they got two wells just dug for them. They probably got enough water now. <laughs> so he called his name Rahaboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up to there, to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear. I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servants, Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called it on the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech came to him from from Gerar with uh, Ahusseth, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you. And since we have done nothing to you, but good and have sent you away. I think uh, Brother Joe was going over this verse when he was here. But good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. You got heathens calling you the blessed of the Lord. Well, no matter what it is we try to do to you, you just keep coming out on top. We try and move you out of here, and you know, God prospers you. You sow into a land of famine, everybody else is nothing, and you reap a hundredfold. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug, and he said to him, We have found water. So he called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba. To this day. So here you have a man, Isaac, who's not an aggressive guy. He kind of just takes life as it comes to him. Uh, you know, Dad, you want to put me on the altar or kill me? Okay, that's all right. <laughs> you know, tie me up. That's all right. Here, 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 help you out. And no, no fight at all in this guy. And we've studied him before. We've gone on through. Isaac is uh, the least talked about of the three patriarchs. He just, he, he does nothing of significance. His, mo- his most significant events are he was almost sacrificed. <laughs> and he became prosperous in the land. He sowed where God told him to sow. Outside of that, I mean, the way that they raised the two boys, this was not a good household. We've gone over that and some of the things that were going on with, with that whole thing, but we don't need to go over it all now. But still, even though this guy was not the, the model believer, Model Christian, God said, sow in this land. This one here, the one of famine? Yeah, the one of famine. The one where no one else is prospering. You sow there. You're sure? Yep, yep, right here. I want you to sow in this land. Right here, this one where no one is getting anything out of the land. You want to take my seed, the seed that I have, and sow it into this ground where either because of lack of rain, lack of nutrition in the soil, lack of whatever it is, is not producing anything. You want me to take my seed and put it in this land? Yeah, right here. Okay. Remember, we looked at that last week? Jesus is in the boat preaching. And he says, uh, set out into the water. Drop down your nets for a catch. You mean this water? The water where there are no fish? We fished all night and found no fish you could basically say that the water was in famine. famine. There's no fish. None. We had all the nets in the water. There was no fish in the water. You want us to take our nets into this land of no water or no fish? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We'll, go to, we'll get one of the nets and we'll take it on another. And they took one of the nets and put it on down in the water and they got all kinds of fish. Why did they get it? Why did they get the harvest of fish? Because they listened and they sowed their nets where it looked like it didn't make sense. Isaac became prosperous because he listened to God to sow where it didn't seem to make any sense. And he reaped a harvest. We're going to get more into this as we... We get on down. We're getting here to the the end of our time. You sow in faith. Folks, you also reap in faith. Faith is just as much involved in the sowing as it is in the reaping. And if you will not sow in faith, if you will not reap in faith, you're going to miss it. You are going to do the things, you, many of you have. You've done the things necessary for God to prosper you. You've tithed, you've taken offerings, you have sowed into the kingdom of God. But then what happens is that God tells us to sow in a land of famine or to let down our nets for a catch in a lake with no fish. And We resist. There's no harvest there. I can't be God. Why would God be telling me to do that? Now, how does He do that with you? How many times have you been going on and God has dropped an idea of something down on the inside of you? And ah, uh, that's probably nothing. I can't see that that would be God. I can't really see that that would be. I don't see anybody would buy that or do that or He's dropped an idea down on the inside of you and you talk yourself out of it. Maybe he dropped an idea for you to go out there and to buy a certain thing that it was going, its value was going to increase. You, did you see that thing? was You could sell that for more. Buy that for the $300 that it is. You're going to be able to sell that for more. Oh, I don't know if I want to go through all that. You know, I may not be able to sell for I may just get what I got out of it. Maybe I'm going to lose some money on it, and then i got to advertise. I don't want to do all that. What is he telling you to do? So. I'm asking you to sow, you're going to reap a harvest. How many of y'all know people who go out in places and they buy stuff for $300 and sell it for $1,500? Yeah. 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 But as soon as the idea comes up that it could happen for you, what do you say? Nah, it probably will not happen. What happened with Isaac? He sowed in a land of famine because God said so. And the Word of God says that he began to prosper with a 100-fold harvest. He continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Do you think he had to do more of what God told him? Sow in this land of famine. Sow in this sea that didn't produce anything for you last night. We are missing our harvests because many times... We are missing the sowing. We have sowed. We have tithed. But then God comes along and says, all right, I want you to reap this. Now, in order for that to happen, you need to buy this. You need to get this. Here's an opportunity. There's a deal here. Uh, I need you to go over here and, and, and go get that, and things are going to happen. What does that take? It takes faith. We already looked at the story. Remember the woman? Elisha says... Go into your house, take that little jar of oil that you got, and I want you to go and knock on every door that you can. I want you to get every container you can have and put it in the house. And when you got them all in the house, close the door. And then start pouring from that little jar of oil and start filling up all the, all the containers you can. How many containers did you fill up? Exactly the same number that you brought in. If she brought in two, she would have filled up two. If she brought in 20, she filled up 20. If she brought in 200, she filled up 200. If she brought up 1,000, she filled up 1,000. Mm-hmm. It did not matter what she brought in. Every single one that she brought in was filled up. Amen. God is going to begin to sow ideas. He's going to begin to put thoughts into your mind of what you can do to reap a harvest. And you better be ready to listen and to have faith that when God says, put the nets out, sow in a land of famine, that he means you, that he will bring you to a place to prosper, that you will continue prospering until you become very prosperous, very prosperous, and we've got more to go on. Just, just that aspect of it. There's a whole section of Scripture we've got to get into. Oh, you're going to love this when you see it. You're going to love this when you see it. But we're all going to show you a percentage. The majority of people who follow after God do not come down on this side of Isaac. Most of them come down on a side of lack. But they're still children of God. We're going to show you some stories of some people and certain ones prospered, and certain ones did not have enough. We're going to show you why. It's real clear in Scripture why that happened. We're going to get into that next, next week. Put this in your, your outline for you plan to sow and plan to reap. You've got to make plans for it. Make plans to sow, make plans to reap. Make a note of it. Make a note of what you sow. And and it's not just money again. It's other stuff. Make a note of it. You ought to keep a a, a book and just start writing stuff in there. Because every day you ought to be thinking, what am I sowing today? You don't always have to sow money. You can sow time. You can sow effort. You can sow the wisdom that God's given you. Understanding from the Word of God. You can help. There's all kinds of stuff that you can sow. But make sure it's good seed. Make sure it's good seed. Make a note of what you sow, where you sow it, and what you're expecting to reap. You need to make a note of it. You need to keep it in the forefront of your mind. If you were to go out, if you were a farmer, and you had 100 acres, would you not make a note that on this 10 acres you sowed corn? On this 15 acres, you sowed beans. On this 10 acres over here, you sowed soy. Would you not make a note of what you sowed? How many have ever had a vegetable garden? And you take, this is what we did when we had them. We take the little labels from the seeds. And we stick them in the ground where we put them. Why? So it's labeled. I know what's coming. This is carrots. (laughs) Carrots will come up here because we sowed carrots. And we label it. But when we get into the kingdom of God, we just throw stuff out there. <laughs> I know. I think I sowed something. I don't know how much. How much did you sow last, last year? I have no idea. I know I sowed something. You know, there's some tithing. There's some sowing. I, I don't really know what it was. Did you sow anything else besides money? I don't know. I, I think so. <laughs> if you ask the farmer, what did you sow? Well, I sowed 10 bushels of, of uh, wheat over here. I said uh, a, a bushel of corn over in this way. I sowed a... Uh, Three bushels of soy over here. He knows how much and where. And he knows when I get something off of that, I'm going to get it. What are you sowing? Are you making notes of it? How can you have expectation on something you have no idea what you did? Make a note of it. But understand this. God is going to push your faith. Because when you put faith with your sowing, this is where you get a harvest. Don't just, throw, don't just sow. Sow with faith. Isaac, I want you to sow in the land of famine. famine. Peter, I want you to put your nets down in the sea of <laughs> no fish. No fish. <laughs> 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 but why would I do that? There's no fish in there. I'm telling you this. It happens too many times in the Word of God. God will tell you to sow where others have reaped Nothing. What's he waiting for? I'm waiting for you to get there. Because <laughs> I want you to get it. I want you to get this thing. I don't want the Philistines to get that harvest. I wanted you to get it. You sow here. You sow here now, you're going to get it. Okay, well so? Be obedient. Listen to what God has. We have a special way we're going to end this, but before we do, we need to read our praise reports because we're not going to get to them afterwards. If you didn't get your prayer report in, bring it on out. I'll hold it.
1: Okay, okay. Um, actually Phyllis wrote this one out on Wednesday before she left. She had she had a chance to pray with and lay hands on an ex-coworker um, who was diagnosed with breast cancer. <clears throat> and she said her faith was built up and she's standing believing God for her healing. She said she also received another unexpected check in the mail, so they had extra money for their vacation. Praise God. Go. I like that. Another one. <laughs> Um, Gladys says she's praising God for showing her, giving her the revelation on um, how to resolve the severe leg prints that she's been having. So she's asking God for wisdom on that.
0: Hmm.
1: Ray said he had an unexpected large expenditure this week, but he stood up to the temptation to hold back his tithes, and other avenues were used, and he's expecting a blessing. Amen. Amen. Um, Ali Nikolai said they were facing a very expensive car inspection due to the check engine light being on. We all have that one. (laughs) Um, Previously, the same repair cost $1,200. The day before inspection, I told God he's the maker of everything and I know he can fix a little computer in the car. So the light went off and we only paid $55 for the inspection itself. Praise God. God. It's a big big difference. Daryl says, God has given me great favor at work. Praise God. We love favor.